Hey, 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 welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Samping Chance. I am your host, Bobby Sampson, and joined, as always, my man with the master plan, Mr. Chance Michaels. How are you this evening, Mr. Michaels? Hey, yo. Hey, you know, yo. Hey, yo. To, to one of the one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. Scott Hall, so yeah. It sucks that we have to do it, but we're going to talk about all the good times and the impact he had, and it's going to be a good show. Yeah, no, for sure. We come at you all today with a very heavy heart and, you know, we'd be uh, remiss if I don't say thank you for letting us into your years. Um, as of this recording, Scott Hall passed away yesterday, March 14th, at about between, I can only guess, four and six in the evening. Um, he was taken off of life support earlier yesterday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific. Um that was once his whole family and loved ones were with him. Uh, even in that state, man, that dude fought hard, man. You know, he did. trying to kind of survive on his own. Eventually, he kind of caught up to him. Um, he had a pacemaker installed, uh, and he also had a defibrillator in his heart as well. So, his heart issues have been going on for the better part of 12, 15 years, my understanding is. So, um, unfortunately, it just kind of caught up to him. He um, had just gone in. He had taken a fall and broke his hip, I guess, I believe, right. and um, went in to get some work done on it. And he suffered numerous uh, heart attacks on the operating table, which kind of forced him to put him on the life support. And uh, everything ended up the way it did. So a huge loss to the wrestling community, a huge loss to his family. Um, my condolences to the entire wrestling community. It's not just a, a family loss. This is kind of a whole wrestling family loss as well. So there's a lot of heavy hearts out there at all levels of this game, of this profession that are feeling what we're feeling here tonight. So, um, yeah, so we thought we'd just kind of give you guys a little bit of what we thought of Scott Hall and what we, you know, enjoyed about him and the, the impact that he had on us as wrestling fans. And I, uh, yeah, he, he was a, he was a character. He was a character. Larger than life, larger than life character, cool, tall, built swagger. He is a good, he's nobody talks about his wrestling, but he was good in the ring too. He wasn't just a character. Like he had some good in ring skills, the razor's edge, one of the coolest finishers ever. You know? Yeah, absolutely. To look at that. So to look at that maneuver, you you really have to trust a guy like Scott Hall to pull it off. Um, you're dealing with perhaps the most delicate part of the body there with the neck mm -hmm. in terms of wrestling, in my opinion. Um, you know, the, the neck is just that one, you know, look for Big E, look what happened to him. Well, you I'll give you a quick story for you. When I was 10 years old, Scott Hall came to WWE and I was at my cousin's house and uh, she had a stepbrother. He's a, maybe a couple years older than me and we had he had bunk beds. And I was on the top bunk bed and I did the razor's edge and it, it crashed the bunk beds, you know? So it was just such a cool move and it's hard to do. And uh, no, it has to be done safely, right? Snap, snap it, a kid's neck if you don't do it right. Well, if you think about it, how many wrestlers have used that as a finisher? I think I, I, I'm thinking there's one other guy that I've seen recently use it. I think it's an AEW too. Um, is it Wardlow who uses it or was it Brian Cage? I'm not sure to be honest with you. I that. have a feeling it's one of those guys. Listeners, if you know, you know, let us know in the comments. Um, I'm just kind of I got a question. The top of my head. Yeah. I got a question for you. Was he the first one to do that razor's edge? I know we called it that, but was people doing that before him? Because I don't remember 
I don't know if anybody did it prior to him doing it like that. Off the top of my head, I don't, I don't know. Um, he could have created it, but it could have also come from Japan. Uh, well, he definitely you know, took it national. That's for sure. He made it. Yeah. Famous. You know, he could have gotten it from Japan. He could have gotten it from AEW. I'm not sure where he got it from, to be honest, yeah. man. but he made it, it his own. That. He made it his own. Uh, Scott Hall. Scott Hall was born. Scott Oliver Hall, born in October 20, October 20th, 1958 in St. Mary's County in Maryland, which is about, oh, 70 miles outside of uh, Washington, D.C. Um, grew up as an army brat, an army brat you know, just kind of moving from base to base with his family. Uh, he did that for most of his adolescence, adolescence and teenage years, my understanding is, and uh, went to school in Germany. I didn't know that. I didn't know that about him at all, to be honest, uh, until I started doing that research. Kind of weird what um, the passing of someone, the things you learn, you know, you never kind of pay attention to them when they're around. Absolutely. Um, started wrestling for the NWA in 1984. Now, NWA was still a territory kind of company-based territory. So they had NWAs all over the place in every territory sort of a deal. So he, he started out in the Carolinas there with the AW, with the NWA. He, he was there for about a year, getting his feet wet, you know, learning his skill, learning his timing and whatnot. With and that there, killer mustache he had. Yeah, no, absolutely. From there, he went to the AWA where he was there from 1985 to 89. He kind of came in just as Hogan had left. Um, I guess Hogan had been gone about a year by this time and kind of blown up the WWF. Uh, so Vern Gagne kind of saw this guy, 6'8", the shape, the build, everything about him. Uh, he envisioned him being the next Hulk Hogan for the AWA. And, uh, and who would have guessed 10, 15 years later, they'd make one of the coolest crews of all time together. You know, yeah, definitely, man. We'll get to that as we walk down memory lane here. Mm-hmm. Um, heading, heading uh, sorry, uh, Vern Gagne wanted him to be the next Hulk Hogan. He was hoping for that. He was priming him for that, you know, tuning him up for that. Um, he ended up having a great tag team run with uh, Kurt Henning. I love who it. He, who he says, that, you know, helped define his his skill set, helped him, you know, with, with his character and what have you. Do you have anything? Do you have any stories for that? Yeah, you're a big Henning guy. Yeah, I love him. He's one of my top five. Yeah, I was just reading the other day that um, Kurt Henning told Scott Hall, slow down when you walk to the ring. Slow down, take it all in. When you get in the ring, then explode. And that's kind of why you see him walk slowly, that little razor dance that he would do, right? Kurt taught him that. And, oh, uh, wow. Pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. That's pretty cool. But yeah, they they uh, they won the tag team titles there. Um, but what a tag team. It's too bad yeah. they didn't take it further. Wow, what yeah. talent. No, no, it was a pretty good tag team. Uh, they won the tag team titles January 18th, 1986 by beating Jimmy Garvin and Steven Regal. Not the man's man, Steven Regal, the North American version of Steven Regal. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, from there, he left in 1989 because he felt that AWA was a sinking ship. Um, and uh, you know what? In many ways, he was right. The company didn't last too long after that. From there, he went to WCW for his first run. Uh, it wasn't really a run, per se, as a program that JR, good old JR, was kind of initiating by bringing up-and-coming talent to kind of hone them and try to, you know, build them up a little bit. Uh, some of the guys of that group included Brian Pillman and Sid Vicious, actually. During his time there, though, he didn't really accomplish much except uh, just being an enhancement talent. 
losing to the likes of Ron Simmons, losing to Butch Reed, uh, the great Buddha, Vader, and Sid Vicious, to name just most of them, I guess, or name a few. Uh, from there, he took off. He tried out for the WWE. It didn't work out. He ended up in Japan for a while. From Japan, he came back, worked a couple of indie promotions, and from there, he ended up in WCW for the second run as the Diamond Stud. The mustache was gone. The hair was slicked back. And he kind of took a character kind of like uh, what Rick Rude was doing at the time of the WWE. Just, you know, calling out the ladies after the match and whatnot. DDP was his manager. That was an interesting... Uh, All right. Well, I mean, it's a foreshadowing to everything that was going to happen, you know? I mean, I've always said DDD, DDP is the catalyst ultimately for all of it. I mean, granted, you know, Scott Hall and Nash and Hogan did what they did with, with Bischoff and what have you, that whole thing. But I don't think any of it would have been possible if it wasn't the influence of DDP to bring them over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that, 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 that dude has his hands on the business in so many ways, uh, DDP is an he's just a, good, just a nice guy, a good guy, a good dude. And you never hear one person say one bad word about that guy. I've never heard anything bad. Even his ex-wife has nothing but good things to say about him. Kimberly, yeah, you know, like at That's the end of the day, he's just a, he's just a genuine good guy, and uh, you know, a lot of a lot of thanks and credit goes to him as we'll progress here. Um, after that run in WCW, he ended up in the WWF then later known as the WWE. He was brought in initially to be a G.I. Joe character, which he wasn't really keen on doing, so the story goes. So he he gave the idea to Vince and Pat at the pool back in the good old days and suggested a character like Razor Ramon based on, you know, Al, Al, Al Pacino's uh, Scarface. Um Vince, Vince and Pat Patterson had never seen this before. They'd never seen Scarface. So they thought this guy was a genius. Yeah. So so it was kind of interesting, you know, it's kind of cool the whole genesis of that character. Um Razor Ramon, man, he was cool. He was he was cool, man. He he was um the gold dripping, say hello to the bad guy, toothpick throwing. Incidentally, that toothpick has been with him since the beginning of his career. It's not mm. something he started in WWE, WWF. It's something he started way back when I, I think it goes the earliest that I saw it was in footage from AWA. Uh, I mean, Razor had it all, dude. He had the hair, he had the look, he had that hairy chest, had the gold, had, you know, um, the, the swagger, the talk. But the one thing that no, not a lot of people talk about, he was great in the ring. The Razor's Edge is one of the coolest finishing moves ever. And uh, he has so many classic matches, but you don't really hear about it that much. You always just hear about, you know, NWO and his swagger, but he was good in the ring too. No, he was a great. He was a great wrestler. He he had his mm. skill set. He was really crisp. He was really clean. Uh, really crisp. You know, he was safe. He was safe, especially with a move like the Razor's Edge. Uh, you have to be safe. You know, you're dealing with the neck. I mean, one bad fumble. You know, it, it can really be detrimental. Um, but yeah, no, I think his in-ring ability is foreshadowed by the charisma, and his ability to make you listen to everything he wants to say. Yeah. Um, Scott Hall worked really, really hard in promoting and selling 
what he was trying to get across. May it be, may it, may it be, you know, receiving be on the receiving end of of, of an attack, or or his in ring promo or his mic work. You always were left like, yeah, you know, you were waiting for him. I mean, yeah. how many times were you sitting there when he came in the ring and he had the mic and you were just waiting for him to say, hey, yo. Yeah. And the you crowd know? will pop every time. And the crowd will pop every time. They would sit there quiet waiting for it. You know, it's just because he had that ability. So, uh, you know, just to, in thinking about it right now, you know, just as a fresh thought, I really have to say that that's probably one of the reasons why his in-ring work outside of WrestleMania 10 and, you know, other matches here and there um don't stand out as much per se based on the fact of his ability to draw you in with the look with the ring entrance it's just that slow strut at the time you know just the way he he presented yeah, himself Kurt Angle, and, Kurt Angle Kurt Henning taught him to do you know right absolutely all those things kind of made him bigger than what he needed to be in the ring yeah he could have been a shit worker but he had the other 85% down packed. Yeah. The other 75% down packed. Absolutely. You know, the guy, he had it all, right? Everything you go on to wrestler, that he had it all. The height, the look, the build. Yeah. It's just a great, great, great you know, character. One of the best characters ever, I think. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, and then, you know, his, his formation with, with uh, Scott, uh, Kevin Nash, Triple H, Waltman, uh, you know, X-Pac, and Shawn Michaels, the click. Uh, you know, those guys getting together, you know, just, just their brains, just, just thinking the business, thinking the business, you know, building it. Granted, they had their problems with other groups and other guys in the business as well, but mm -hmm. it came a point where they kind of, you know, I think the first big thing all those guys did was destroy kayfabe. Yep, they did. You know, that they was the first them. strike. That was the first strike of everything. The curtain call. The curtain call, man, at Madison Square Garden. Uh, those who are unfamiliar, the curtain call we refer to is basically Scott and Kevin Nash's contracts were up and they were both heading over to WCW, which basically left Sean and Triple H left in WWE. So these guys had a tag match um, in a steel cage tag match at the at MSG. This was their final kind of match before two left. And at the end of the match, uh, in front of the crowd and everything, they did the uh, two sweet, the Wolfpack symbol, you know, and kind of all embraced. And that, I don't know if that's the first time or not, but that was probably the official death of Kayfabe, where they kind of just kind of broke all the rules. Uh, Triple H. They call it the curtain call, but they peel the curtain back, and now we know everything that goes on backstage, right? That's it, man. And, you know, it's kind of funny. The guy who got punished the most was Triple H. <laughs> yeah. And the other two left. You know, Sean was untouchable. So H kind of H kind of got most of the blame and the punishment for it, which led us to Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Austin 316. So, I mean, all of these things, if you think about it, everything that Scott Hall was involved in from that point onwards, created everything else not to say it wouldn't be creative but i mean if you just look at how all the dominoes fell oh yeah and there's no guessing about it you know we can we, we we talked about we i remember we talked about china and you know what she could have been or what could have been or, or where she could have been 
with the same we said about Owen. You know, he passed away untimingly. Could he have been world champion? Would he have had the strap at one point? How long would he have lasted? Would he showed up in WCW at some point? We don't know any of these things, right? We yeah. don't know what trajectory any of these guys' careers were going to take. But everything we're talking about here is all factual. It's all, you know, every you look at that particular move led to this, this, and this. Scott Hall then showing up in WCW that 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 spring, you know, just kind of opening the door to everything else that happened. I mean, right up to Hogan being the third man. And Hogan uh, last night was saying that Hall resurrected his career, basically, you know, giving Hogan his, a second chance at it all. Um the inception of the NWO. And Scott Hall was smart enough, and Kevin Nash was smart enough to know, you, you get a guy like Hulk Hogan here, the most famous wrestler ever, he, he becomes a bad guy. This is lots of money. Print the money, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Not stupid guys, you know? No, no, 100%. Unfortunately, you know what? Too many egos, too many names, too many brands, and uh, not enough bosses. Uh, that, you know, it could have been something... Much, much more. But, I mean, it was awesome for what it was. Don't get me wrong. Well, it was great when it was the three of them. And they got let everybody in and it became watered down. But when it was going, it was the hottest thing going. You know, kids in high school, NWO shirts, all people would talk about was the NWO. It was super cool. That's the time when it was cool to be a wrestling fan, you know? No, I I would say that probably the second time that wrestling had kind of imprinted itself on pop culture. I mean, mm-hmm. the 1980s, you could say it was the rock and wrestling time, Cindy Lauper, MTV, all that, you know, that, that was that time they had the pop culture. Fast forward 10 years, you know, it happened again with the NWO and um, all the cool. things that were coming out. It yeah, a, I mean, I don't want to say a street edge, but you know what I mean? It was edgy. DX, NWO, kind of that edge. Like, it's cool to wear the wrestling shirts. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it, it forced Vince to think again. It forced Vince to create. And, you know, from that, we got Stone Cold. We got The Rock. You know, we, we got... Heel McMahon. Heel McMahon, you know, like Mr. McMahon. Uh, that whole that whole thing DX. that happened. The DX was kind of, yeah, DX as well, you know. Um, it changed the game forever. It changed the way people consumed wrestling. It changed the way people watched wrestling. And it kind of took a hit once the war was over. And, you know, only Vince was standing. It, it, here's a here's a question for you. Which faction do you think was cooler, DX or NWO? Um, see, this is the thing. I would have to say DX, in my opinion, only for the fact that they had longevity and they didn't oversaturate group, as you had alluded to earlier. Uh, NWO was awesome right up until you know maybe if if they were going to go if they were going to add people i think they should have stopped after they added the giant and and um Sean Waltman i mean that should have been it well let's not forget nwo there's lwo there is bwo like it just it became well, it, yeah i mean you had you had that latin world order you had the blue world order like you said um you had black and white nwo you had uh red and black I yeah mean, the wolf pack i mean it just got oversaturated right i mean everybody wanted a piece of that pie it's kind of like they should have been no more than maybe six deep and those six guys you know should have been there you have the three there the other three i would have probably kept in there would have been the giant obviously that would have been your fourth um X-Pac. I don't know. X-Pac, sorry. Yeah, that would have been your fifth. You know, even at five, I think I'd be happy at five. 
You know, you just have a lot of people don't know, but Giant and Hogan, they're like they're they're close, man. Like like Nash and X Pac, Giant and Hogan are that close. That's oh no, absolutely, reason. absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, I mean they kind of he kind of started his career with Hogan, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's Andre's son. Remember when he was with the uh, Dungeon of Doom? <laughs> Says, uh, it's this is Andre's son, you know, and he was wearing, <laughs> anyways, the monster truck classic, good old 1994. Um, and they even had their own pay per view, yeah, sold out. sold out, yeah, sold out. Um, but but like I said, everything was great until they got oversaturated, you know. Mm -hmm. And they, I remember there was this one time they, they had a storyline kind of pretending, or or I guess. It's not pretending. I don't know how you call it, man, but they, they were using Spartal's alcoholism and whatnot as a storyline. Yeah, they're trying to do real-life situations. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that kind of fizzled out, but um, pretty much after that, I mean, he had, a, he had a short run in TNA. He came back to WWE for a little bit, but then pretty much after 2010 or not, I think he had that one spot at WrestleMania in, in San Francisco there. Was that 32? Oh, yeah, when, he, when Sting versus Triple H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, I cool. mean, where he took the backflip or whatever it was, right? Was yeah. Cool. So, I mean, I think that was probably, you know, the extent. I mean, he may have had a little spot here and there, which I don't know about, but, you know, that pretty much sums up his career. But then, you know, he did deal with a lot of issues. I mean, he's been dealing with alcoholism and drug abuse and whatnot, and, um, you know, it came to a head where he really, really got wasted and he had come to a show. You know, he was there and, and he, he could showed, barely yeah. he could barely get into the ring. And um, you know, was, that's probably the hardest footage that's out there to see of him. Like, you know, why would you let him do that? Why would you even allow him to come out like that? You know, it, I, I get it, you paid demand, whatnot, but I think there, schedule reschedule man you have to have some compassion you know that that's the one sad part of our business here the the wrestling business in general i'm not trying to i'm not trying to knock indie wrestling we love it we're a part of it you know we we do lots of with it at the end of the day a guy who's done that in the business shouldn't have to show up on indie show to make a, a couple hundred dollar po you know what i mean he was on hard times financially also which is sad you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't know what his financial that. status was. Well, I mean, WWE, WWE had to pay for his rehab. They had to pay for lots of stuff. DDP had it. He had to donate for his hip and stuff. I hate to say that, but it just goes to what the abuse can do, you know? No, he shouldn't 100%. be doing that. All the money that he made and what he's done in the business, you don't want to see a guy like that on an indie show. I'm not trying to knock indie wrestling at all, but those kind of guys don't come to indie wrestling shows. You know what I mean? Well, you know... It, it, You'd be surprised, man. I guess at one point you're not going to see that... Shawn Michaels. You're not going to Shawn Michaels or H or uh, Hulk Hogan come on an indie show. This is not going to happen. I, I guess not. Money, no, you know, you know I, I appreciate that. I can understand that completely. But you know what? So sometimes guys do what they got to do, right? I mean, that's the beauty of the mm -hmm. business. There's always a door that will be open no, I'm not to someone. Doing it, but... No, 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 no. I'm not saying you're knocking it. I'm just basically adding my piece to it. You know, to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. It, it is for a guy who's created the NWO. He shouldn't have to go to a bingo hall for 200 bucks or 500 bucks the drunk standing like it should never happen you know so no, it shouldn't happen but i mean he did it to himself you know let's just no, be I fair know, about that right but i mean you know like i said push comes to shove i don't think you know anyone thought honky tonk man the greatest intercontinental champion of all time would be doing indie shows or or at that time i'm just yeah, saying he never yeah but he never 
for an impact of the business like Scott Hall. No, no, right? no, 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 no. I get that. But what I'm saying is, you know what? You can have a lot of impact. You can do a lot of great things. At the end of the day, if you don't manage yourself properly, you know, yeah. wrestlers are independent contractors, regardless of what company they work for. You mm-hmm. know, um, it's all about how these guys saved and what they did, what steps they took. You know, some of them drank it away. Some of them saved it. Some of them are okay. Some of them are doing very well for themselves. You know, the guys mm-hmm. that you don't hear about are the ones that are doing good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, you know, such talent, you, such, no, right. 100%, right? Um, I, I, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on DDP a bit more here. You know, after that incident, uh, DDP kind of caught wind of it. And uh, when Scott Hall was actually in hospital um, for, 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 I think, his heart condition or seizures or something like that, one of the... Um, one of the nurses, I think it was a male nurse or a male attendant or something, huge wrestling mark, eh? So, so he tried every opportunity to kind of get in the room with Scott Hall at that time just to talk wrestling. And mm-hmm. uh, he showed him the video of, of what he had been doing with uh, Jake Roberts at that point and how far he had come with him. And Scott Hall was like, oh, wow, this is, you know, this might be something. So he actually ended up going back to DDP, who took him into the accountability house. I don't know if that still exists or not, but at the time, that's what they had called it. And uh, he ended up spending seven months with him at the house, um, getting all sober and everything. So to, to a lot of people at that point in 2012, 2013, a lot of people thought that you know we were pretty much going to see the end of Scott Hall at that point. Yeah. Uh, DDP gave us an additional eight years with him, you know, helping him and guiding him to so cyber uh, to, to get sober. And, um, and he lost a lot of weight too doing the yoga. No, he did. He looked great. You know, it's just unfortunate that you know of all the things that you think would have taken this man. That's what I said. Yeah. It's crazy. Know, yeah, absolutely. It's just kind of mind blowing. But uh, a big shout out to DDP. You know, um, I hope one day that we can get him on here just to say thank you. Uh, He's an amazing character. He's he's just helped so many wrestlers. I mean, look at Jake. I mean, we by all accounts we shouldn't have had Jake here still. You know, and now he's got his own podcast himself called the Snake Pit. So you know, it's kind of I think it's, yeah, I think it's called DDP Pit or something with DDP. or DDP Pit. Yeah, but he's kind of the host of it or whatever the case may be. But really interesting you know just right across the board um the effect you'll never hear one guy say a bad word about ddp you're not going to hear it i never heard it no i'm i'm still waiting for someone to say something bad about ddp as well so you know i even even scotty mac gave us a great antidote about him being here in vancouver i was actually in the crowd when that happened it was cool when he came up yeah yeah no that was phenomenal man yeah unfortunately i missed that but uh you know what there'll be more to come but um Mm -hmm. scott hall man a definite miss and uh you know wrestling heaven has gained another superstar um when i die i want to go to wrestling heaven i've decided that that that's where i want to go man i always put wrestling heaven to be like this it's kind of like okay so hawk already passed away right right yeah. so i'm using the road warriors as an example this is the way i personally think that wrestling heaven works so you got basically uh at Hawk getting beaten down two against one against whoever's up there, right? Let's say it's um, 
I don't know. Who was he getting beaten up there? Uh, Yokozuna and uh, Macho Man are two chiming him or two who gets one on him, right? And all of a sudden, because Animal just died down here, the music hits and he comes running out and the crowd at Wrestling Heaven is going mad. Can you imagine how awesome that would be? I'd be cool. Wrestling Heaven. You got Andre up there. You got them all up there. And every show would be parallel with what shows are here. Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. No, 100%. So, you know, we lost someone, but Wrestling Heaven gained someone, you know. It's it's an unfortunate thing. The man. For people that don't know, Scott had a great mind for the business. If you listen to some of his interviews, when he's clear headed, he was a he was a genius as far as it comes to his mind for wrestling. No, hundred percent. I mean, you know, people wanted to pick his brain. He had knowledge. I mean, a lot of knowledge that he gained throughout his own experiences and working with some of the greats as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he definitely had his issues, but he also impacted a lot of people, both in and outside of the ring. Yes. Um, you know, the stories are never ending, like, you know, all the antidotes about how he helped different guys out, how he, you know, kept guys relevant, you know, you know, what he would do for other talent to ensure that they had the best opportunities as well. Right. So, I mean, he was always thinking about the business. He was always looking to make the business better. And, you know, the more I think about it, the whole WCW thing that they did and whatnot was to make the business better. Yeah, and they did. Yeah, they got the know. boys got paid more. They made it cool. Yeah, edgy. They brought more realism to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, calling yourself Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. You know, when they weren't using the name Diesel and Razor anymore, they were letting you into their world a little bit. They pulled the curtain back with that curtain call, and the rest is history. No, hundred percent, man. You know what? We can't we can't say enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything you want to add to this um, before we move on? You think Outsiders is a you know top ten, top fifteen tag team of all time? I would give them the top ten for sure. You know, it, it's, it's a very well impact alone. They would be top three. But in terms you of touch on how cool it was when Scott Hall was sitting in the crowd at WCW there. Yeah, no, I mean just That's him cool. coming through the crowd and you know the, the just a simple line: "You all know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here." Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we're in that we're in that jean jacket vest with no yeah. you know, chest. Yeah, no, he was basically it, it started everything, man. That that was that was it. That was it, man. Yeah, that was great. So before, before we wrap this podcast up, I got something for you. Yeah, I got top five. I want to hear your top five uh, Scott Hall moments. Uh, top five Scott Hall moments. Well, I guess number one would have to be for me. When I saw the first vignette uh, of Razor Ramon, um, you could use the, you can tell they used the formula or again because he used the same kind of stuff for Cardito when he came out. When he spit that apple in the face of that guy, um, you know, just the ordering of the food at the restaurant when the guy came and gave him the bill. Uh, those vignettes were so awesome for me. Just being a kid and whatnot, you know, just the introduction to Razor Ramon. Incidentally, most of those were filmed in Connecticut, not in Miami, as they were supposed to look like. Can never tell. No, you never know. Yeah. Um, Top five modes, you know, again, it it just kind of of comes down to just mannerisms for me, really. Uh, Outside of the WrestleMania 10 ladder match, per se, and the work that he did with the 1-2-3 kid when he, you know, was transitioning from heel to face, those were kind of cool moments for me as well. 
but but you know just his little the little things that he did were were, were will be my top five yeah uh, another top five moment like that would be when scott hall would be giving the gold to the guy the attendant outside the ring before the start of the match anything happens to the gold something's gonna happen to you you know just those little things the toothpick at the camera the little smirk um that little razor, little razor shuffle dance he would do, you know, when he came in the ring there. Yeah, yeah, just so that, you know, yeah. you know, yeah, definitely. Um, match wise, you know, it, obviously WrestleMania ten that ladder match, um, just just really good. I mean, if you think about where the ladder matches evolved, if you watch that match, you and see what's happening with the ladders now, you think, okay, that's okay. But I mean, it, for the time, it was probably the best thing that ever happened. Um, just mm-hmm. an amazing match, just just phenomenal. No one really knew what to expect. I mean, even though the ladder match has been around for a while before that, um, they know, put it on the map though. They made yeah, it- yeah, that 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 day they put it on the map. So, you know, I, I don't know if that really gives you a top five or anything, Chance. Uh, but I mean, yeah. it, it's kind of where my mind is with it. You know, I just. You're right. I mean, I, there's not many matches per se that kind what of. What about his match out. with Bret Hart? I think it was Royal Rumble '93. That was a pretty solid match. No, no, that was a solid match. I remember he wore his red trunks that night too, with the little razors on it. It was a solid match, and you know, mm-hmm. Bret and him worked really, really well together. And you know, nothing but good things to say um, about that match. I think both guys just really worked well, and it just showed how well you know Razor could work with a technician as well. So it was a really good showing for him. A great match, actually, overall. Yeah. But um, again, it doesn't stand out. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, he 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 was just so strong, in That's so many in, in all the other facets. His character alone, he didn't. Ha- I don't think he would even had to have wrestled. Yeah, to be over. There's one match that I remember when I was a kid. It was uh, Ramon and Flair versus Perfect and Savage. It was it was maybe not the greatest match, but such cool characters and uh, you know. It was, some of my all-time favorites in there. I remember that. I think that was his Survivor Series or something. 92. Yeah, it's it just when he kind of came into the scene sort of a deal, right? He had yeah. just kind of emerged at a couple of his matches on Superstars, but this was kind of building up the storyline there. And, you know, he did. Yeah, that was a pretty cool match as well. Um, but no, for sure, man. What can you say? The guy, the guys, the guys left a legacy. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy that he is in the Hall of Fame, not once, but two twice. Yeah. Two times. Uh, once as Razor Ramon and once as Scott Hall, a part of the NWO. So I'm glad he got in. I really am. Um, you know, it just kind of makes sad to see a guy like Vader get in this year postpartum. It, it kind of sucks. I wish, you know, these guys can get in when they're still able to kind of well, they're cherish, alive. It and cherish it and, and, you know, really be able to speak on it. So you know, um, but that's for another show. Yeah. Um, so guys, listen, before we end here, I would love to touch on some things that are happening here locally. Um, so can I'm wrestling, they're running a few shows. Here's their schedule of upcoming shows that are coming up. So you got them coming to the Airdrie town and country center, March 17th. They'll be at the Strathmore civic center, March 18th. The Calgary Back Alley Nightclub, the Can-Am Arena, March 23rd. And I always mess up the same, so people of this town, I apologize. 
Okotox Foothills Centennial Center, March 24th. Did I butcher that? I don't know, man. I've never heard of that city. All right. So people from the foothills, I apologize if I butchered your name. Uh, please correct me. Medicine Hat Cypress Center, March 25th to close out the month, so I think. Uh, they've had some great matches here in the last little while. If you're yes. in any of those towns, please go check out our friends at Canham Wrestling. It's a really cool product. Sam and Chance, we're just waiting for the snow to melt on the highways so we can make our way out there this summer and we'll be there catch a couple shows, definitely. Uh, but what we can do for the time being, and you will find us there this weekend, is at the All-Star Wrestling Show, which is going to be this Saturday, March 19th at the Maritime Labor Center in Vancouver. Tickets are $20 for the front row, $15 for general admittance. And the highlight of this card will be the tournament for the vacant Trans-Canada Championship. Um, what, a, what a great bang for your buck, eh? To bring the kids. $15 for general admission. You bring your kids. It's family-friendly fr family entertainment. No, I mean, 100%. Uh, show up. Yeah, no, we, we took uh, we took your young lad last time flying reins, mm -hmm. and uh, this time uh, we're going to bring my daughter out too. You know, she, she's really cool. excited. She's asking me about this every day. Dad, when is this happening? When are we going to go watch this? She can't wait. Um, she, she can't wait to meet Mr. Beefy Goodness himself, actually. He'll be there that night. The jo Thunder from Jolunder is going to be there. Uh, just to name a couple of the guys that are going to be out there that night. Azeem the Dream. Um, Azeem the Dream will probably be out there there. Um, so you know what, you know, I, I apologize if I missed any of the talent's names, uh, we'll, we'll make sure to mention everyone that's there and whatnot, but yeah, man, if you're there, if you're in the area, please come out, uh, we'll be there. So we'd love to see you guys, um, you know, just for, for support the local product, I always say, and you know, that's what we're going to be doing. And, uh, yeah, man, you know, it's, it's great it. family entertainment, good wrestling. It's family friendly. Bring your kids, enjoy the show, and you, uh, you're gonna have a hell yeah. of a good time. Starts at a decent time, it ends at a decent time. So you know the kids have fun, and um, based on the way I saw Flying Reigns acting, it was amazing. I think I enjoyed watching him just as I, in, just as much as I enjoyed watching the action in the ring that night. Um, it just added a little bit more spice and a little bit more fun to the night. So. I mm -hmm. hope um, I hope my little Miss Miss uh, enjoys herself and uh, we'll be sure to fill you guys in. So that's it for us. Um, you know, if, if you guys uh, haven't already, you can follow us on Facebook at Sam Chance Pod. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Same thing, Sam underscore Chance for both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can catch our show on YouTube and on Apple and Spotify. So please, please, please download us, like us, please leave a review, please leave comments. We want to start seeing some comments. I would really love to hear some feedback, hate us, love us. You know what? Give us something. We want to be better. So we know people are listening. Thank you so much for all of that. Uh, but we want to be better. We want to do better. We want to create better things for you guys. We have some amazing things coming um, in the near future here for, for all you fans as well. So, you know, keep supporting and uh, let us create great things for you guys. 
on that note, once again, thank you very much to the beautiful people of the world. Thank you for letting us into your years. And uh, with that, I'm going to say good night from Bobby Sampson and my man, Chance Michaels. And in the words of the great ACDC, for those who download the podcast, we salute you. Absolutely. And on this night of reflection, everyone, please be safe. Have a very safe St. Patrick's Day. Um, we're going to drink. Make sure you have a ride home. Don't do anything silly. We've already lost too many good people this year. We don't want to lose anymore. Be safe and be humble. Rest have in a peace. Great night, everybody. Home. Rest in peace. Good night.